Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Alex and Mo podcast. And tonight we have Kendall joining us. What's up, Kendall? You know, every time you meet me, it's like, Wagwan. Hey, Wagwan star. Hey, you got to take it back to like Sound Splash, right? So, oh, you know, when, yeah. David, when David, when David Radigan used to say, look, I've been doing this thing since I've been a little boy in khaki shorts, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, definitely, De- definitely. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And you know, speaking about David Radigan, he just announced that he was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So, you know, wow. uh, we wish him all the best with his recovery, but you know what? Having a great physio team, uh, speech and occupational therapy, David Radigan, we wish you all the best as you seek your treatment. So Kendall, now man, you're a man of many talents. <laughs> well, you know, some people call it talent. Some people just say I have a, I have a, um, uh, a gift for causing trouble, right? Oh, right, for, for, for getting trouble. into things. Yeah. Oh, so. good trouble, right? Good trouble. Good, good right? trouble, good trouble, good trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so you're, a, couple so weeks. you're a disruptor. He is, definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Do um, you always thought that you were? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think back in the village, if my mother couldn't find me, she knew where to go look, right? Uh, and it was always around people who were playing dominoes, listening to B, you know BBC World Service, and I'd go back to the shop and I'd be able to stand on two Coca Cola crates and tell you play by play who said what. <laughs> what it went down, right? Um, as I had uh, some people in my family that called me T Avoca, little lawyer, right? Oh, little uh, lawyer, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just one of those things, you know. I mean, I, I think, um, I think really plugging into understanding a life like it, it, this is just what we have, right? So you have this time and you got to figure out how to use it the best impact the, the, the largest amount of people, um, with what you with, with what you do and how you do it. So, uh, I mean. Just always looking for opportunities to, you know, always have a, have this edge, right? You know, so it is either I could uh, I could I could cause bad trouble, mm-hmm. right? Or I could kind of figure out how to how to leverage my life experiences and relationships and and move people in a different in a different direction. So that's you mentioned you mentioned village. Yeah. Where did you grow up, uh, Kendall? So I was I was born and raised in the Commonwealth of Dominica, um, Casa Bruce, right in 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 the parish of Saint David, um, and moved from from Dominica to the Virgin Islands, um, and then from the Virgin Islands I came to the U.S. Uh, the mainland to go to to, to go to, gra- to undergraduate and then graduate school. Okay, so, uh, what was the experience like in Dominica? Man. Heaven, uh, I didn't know how poor I was until I uh, until I set foot on campus at Sanford University. But um, I, I think I was I was you know Dominica is the the island of 365 rivers. You know some people will call them creeks here, but it's still 365 <laughs> rivers. But um, I think to understanding, like, I, mean, I didn't live in in a house with running water and electricity until I was nine, um, and uh, those kind of those kind of beginnings and then understanding the investment that my mom made to move us to the Virgin Islands and um and just just, just those things I mean you think about you had to you had to pass CXEs or common entrance exam uh to go to high school you had to pay to go to high school uh if you wanted to be able to go to university and things like that so I think those um 
those beginnings um, really kind of are woven into just how I live life now. So you went from the islands and ended up at Sanford in Alabama, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Talk about a culture shock. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, you know, I I lived in South Carolina in Green uh, Spartanburg, Greenville for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I was born in Columbia, South America, grew up in Miami, went to PT school in Tampa. So pretty much a Florida boy the whole time. Yeah. And then going South Carolina, I mean, that was a bit of a culture shock for me, but I had been in the States, you know, for you to go from the island life to Alabama, like, what was that like? And, you know, were you here by yourself? Yeah, it it was me. I, I think, I think the big thing was, you know, my mom wanted me to start off at the University of the Virgin Islands. And, you know, when I came up and I interviewed at Sanford, I just said, you know, I, I can't afford to come to school here, but if you accept me and make it financially possible, I'm coming and you won't regret it. But I also knew that I had to be, I had to plant myself in a, in a place where I was super uncomfortable, where I had to, I had to be self-reliant in a sense, but I also had to, I had to expand my boundaries a little bit in terms of um, what I thought was possible uh, and, and Sanford gave me an opportunity to do that, you know, small enough class sizes. Um, you know, it didn't get too cold here. At least that's what I thought. Um, and it was, it's fairly easy to, 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 to get home. Um, but the food was definitely different. The vibe just in terms of the mindset was different. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you can find ignorant people anywhere, but, um, here, uh, they, you, you're not, you're not necessarily aligned with people that look like you a hundred percent of the time because i mean i was a majority right like if you drop me off in medellin i feel comfortable you know but i could also go down to chile and i'm i'm good like i i could navigate the islands because i could speak different dialects you know i at my 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 comprehension and understanding of of spanish and french and and creole just it 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 was like it was perfect you know what I mean? Um, but and just like you, like if you go in Miami, well, you can, be, you know, you could be in a little Havana, you can be in a little Haiti and you don't feel like you really are, are out of the islands. Yeah. But, but here it's, it's a little bit different. But I think the, the most one of the most important things for me was was kind of leveraging the experience um, to to be a, a chameleon in a sense, because I, I started assimilating like I would turn off my accent. Um, and people, you know, really because people kept asking me to repeat myself, not because they couldn't understand me. Tell me about it. I like the way you talk. (laughs) I'm I'm talking for your enjoyment. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get a point across. Uh, So it was one of those things, um, but it also truly helped me to understand how how being the only in a room, like how mastery of the vernacular can open doors beyond what the mind sometimes is able to, to, to consider. Um, the people that you're able to touch really because you um, I have to think so much faster than I speak because I have to get it out in this form of English. Right. Um, and so that's that's a filter. And um, I had to get comfortable doing that. And it's it's um, it served me well uh, in my in my uh, in my career thus, thus far. When did PT become uh, the thing for you? You know, was that something that you had 
kind of seen in the islands and kind of came over here or did it happen over here? What was that yeah. like for you? No, it really happened over here. I, mean, I came as a pre-pharmacy major. Um, you know, I started working on a pharmacy back when I was 14. Um, and then, you know, there was something different because I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, and for seeing pharmacy here, it wasn't, there wasn't a clear cut path or a path that made sense for me to continue the journey into pharmacy because I couldn't, or at least I thought that the, the, the environment wouldn't lend itself well to me being in, in, in a private pharmacy setting, especially because of just the, 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 the navigation of, of coming from home to here. But then um, you know, I became a student athletic trainer and kind of seeing what that vibe was and being exposed to that. And then it's like, okay, well, I don't really want to be an athletic trainer. Um, like that's not, it didn't encompass everything that I wanted. So uh, I started shadowing here. Um, there's a place called the Lakeshore Foundation where I got to work with disabled athletes um, and then just, just disabled individuals. Um, and then that put me in a situation where when I went back to St. Croix um, one one winter, I got to see a PT who had actually been in the military and watching her, her name was Angelica Schuster, and watching her kind of navigate that space um, and, and, and seeing how she was able to make a difference in, 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 in lives there, it, it was like, all right, this, this could work because it allows me to, to connect that entrepreneurial spirit that I had with a, a path that took me, I think, really a lot farther than if I went to medical school. Because if I went to medical school, the, the investment of time and dollars was one thing, but the lifestyle wasn't something I was in love with. Um, you know, and, and so this just kind of made, it made a lot of sense for me. And then as I, uh, as I started to further identify my core competence and how I wanted to use that core competence, then PT started to separate itself from other professions. It's interesting because they, you, you hear so many people say you can't become wealthy doing physical therapy. So do you have that same opinion now that you've got done PT school, started your business, having multiple locations? How can you encourage other young therapists uh, in school and graduating uh, to navigate that and be confident that they have to think outside the box in order to create wealth? Yeah. Well, I, I think um, what you said really is is... is it makes a whole lot of sense when you kind of think about uh, Simon Sinek. Start with why. That that's that's probably when when I think about it, and I tell I tell students uh, whether they're current students or looking to go into PT school, and they say, "Well, I want to I want to become a PT because I want to help people, or I want to become a physician because I want to help people." So, man, you know, my garbage man helps me. Right. So every Wednesday night. I pull the trash and I roll this, this trash can up to the road and like magic. When I get home Thursday night, it's gone. The trash is gone. I just roll an empty trash can back down and put it by the house. So that person helps me. They help a lot of people. It's just a different path. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, well, why do I want to do this? Like what appeals to me? And if I understand why, 
then I can kind of figure out and have clarity around if I'm the right who. Um, and then once I do that, then the what, the the how, the how much, that gets easy. Like how much is actually in, in, in my decision-making framework? How much is the last question that I ask? And so when you kind of think about building wealth, well, what does it really take? It can take one source of, of income or one revenue stream, or it can take multiple revenue streams. Um, go back to the idea of core competence. Um, I have a very, very simple kind of reason for living, right? So my reason my, my, my is basically, I, would, I believe I was created to motivate, support, and inspire. And so whatever avenue allows me to do that will ultimately build wealth. Uh, and and it, it, may, it may be important how, what my perspective on wealth is. Uh, a multi-location practice is great. Um, you know, you can, you can scale to five, six locations, 10 locations, and then roll that up, sell it to a private equity group or, or venture capital group, um, work out your five-year non-compete and do the same thing over and over again. But that has a, it has a shelf life. Um, and so my number one key performance indicator or KPI within the company is lives touched. And so when you kind of start thinking about building wealth, it doesn't matter if you are, if you have a specialty or subspecialty within PT, what matters is how do you, how are you going to define what wealth is to you? And then how are you going to leverage your time? I remember I was part of another organization and I was running a meeting one time. I said, Hey, listen, some, you know, we went to great schools, elementary school, middle school, high school, college. You know, some of we went to great PT schools and some of us, you know, not myself, but some of us have zero student loans and our insurance companies pay us and people pay us to spend 45 minutes, an hour, two hours of their time with us every week. We get paid to do that. Why can't we change the world? And everybody look at me like I, you know, like I was smoking a blunt, like I, I had been drinking before I came to the meeting. And I went from this kind of worldview to, hey, like maybe the world's too big. I went to North America and I was like, oh, maybe that's too big. Went from North America to like the Southeast U.S. That was too big. Went to the state of Alabama. That was too big. Went to the city. That was too big. Like I was still the crazy guy in the room. So I said, well, what about just the neighbor to the right and left of you, wherever you live? Right. Like if you could touch those two lives and you, you think about it, you give us time to work with people. And and the way we do it allows us to. To create value in their mind, we own real estate in their mind as it relates to, hey, like our our company, we help people move well, live well and do amazing things. You, you meet me somewhere, and say, hey, what do you do for a living? I help people move well, live well, and do amazing things. Or whatever you use your body to do, I help you do it better. There is not a window. I'm not a commodity. There's not a window for that. There's not a shelf life. So I can take that and turn it to sports. And what I want to travel with athletes, what I want to work with just high school athletes or or, or athletes just, just starting their, their, their uh, athletic career, what I want to work in a geriatric population, what I want to work with people who have been diagnosed with cancer or Parkinson. It doesn't really matter. How can you take that skill set, scale it, right? And, and business is all about, it's very, very simple. There's a book called um, The Goal. Elihu Goldratt is an Israeli physicist, right? There is capacity, there's bottlenecks, and there's output. He calls it throughput, but it's the same thing. 
Any business is what? Capacity, what your limitations are, and how much money you make at the end of the day. That, that's, that's pretty much it. So if, if you can, if you have clarity around your why and you're the right who, it, it gets really easy. It's just that I, I feel like sometimes the barrier for a lot of people is that there's not a lot of clarity around that. Um, you know, I remember I asked a question um, of some people and I said, hey, are we, is this company a, 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 a franchise? I said, well, no. He said, okay, well, if it's not a franchise, help me to understand your PL. And so then I became a problem. I, I became a problem because I wanted clarity around why profits didn't match up to time invested. Because my time is said to be my greatest asset, right? And it was interesting that people are okay trading time for dollars, but they're not okay investing time for dollars. I don't, I don't understand the difference there for them. But if, if you want, if you want to create generational wealth, you've got to figure out why you're doing it. But then you also have to then put yourself in, a, in the right vehicle. You have to put yourself in a vehicle where you're investing your time and your talents for a reasonable return on investment. And you can't expect anybody in PT school to teach you that. You can't expect anybody in med school or law school to teach you that. Some of the best and brightest people I know, um, they don't have college degrees. But they, they identify needs. And they fill those needs or meet those needs better than anybody else in the market. They take the profits from the from that that early adopter group, right? And they go find another green pasture, and they do the same thing over and over and over again. And I think we can do that as PTs. Hmm. But we have to seek clarity. Yes, clarity is a must. Well, you're asking people to do a lot. Because mm -hmm. to seek clarity requires you to dig deep, to search within you. Um, also, to get clarity, you have to have a well-defined message. And do we have one in physical therapy? No, we don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Alex might disagree, but I'm I'm pretty I'm about ninety nine point nine. Oh no, Alex! Sure oh, Alex ain't gonna disagree right. on that no, one. No, no, <laughs> I'm right there. I'm right there with you. We we yeah. don't we don't. I mean, we had we talked about this last week when we had Jeff Moron, um, president of the the CEO of the APTA. Oh, jo Justin, know. Justin, Justin. Sorry. Um, right. It was we don't have a, a clear message that, you know, there there is not one banner, I feel like, that we can stand and say, hey, boom, this is what we this is what we stand on. This is what yeah. we do. Right. So that in itself, you know, proposes a, a challenge for us as professionals, but also for our clients. Mm -hmm. to know how we can help them. Right. So a lot of the stuff that, that you were saying, which is brilliant stuff, you know, it kind of brings back to, again, another guest um, when he said, you got to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And when you tell a story, that's how you get the buy in. Yeah. Right. Because people don't care that you've got four five, six clinics doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter 
that you know you came from the islands and you've persevered and you're doing very successful things for you and your your team that doesn't help them Mm -hmm. right so you like you said you've got to find that one thing that you do well and find a way to take that and make somebody's life easier or better yeah or both yeah you know so and and you're right like this kind of thinking we don't learn that in pt school Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've, there's been debates like, oh, should you get business, some kind of business education in PT school? Like that should be part of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. You know, the argument can be made either way. I feel like, but, but yeah, like we have to figure out how to connect with the person across from us. Like you said, they've given us time. Time is supposed to be the most valuable asset. Well, let's put some value in it. Um, and, and, and I think that as a profession, we're still learning that. Um, and I think obviously as individuals, some of us may be ahead more so than others, but still we're, we're still learning, right. We're, we're taking something that we are accustomed to being told when to be able to do it instead of saying, no, 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 your permission, I don't need your referral this is what I can do for you and just do it. Um, there was something that he mentioned too, Alex, that is very important. A lot of people are more willing to tr- uh, trade their time for money rather than invest their time to get money because to them, the mindset is if I trade mm-hmm. my time to get money, it's like an immediate uh, feedback, but investing takes time. You could start a business. You might not break even or make a profit the first couple of years, and that deflates a lot of people, and they give up. That's why most businesses go under within a year or two or even three. They don't go past that because people don't want to invest money. You know, you, you get your tax return. I haven't gotten one in years, but <laughs> that means my business is doing well. But they would need go- to get a better accountant. Oh no no no! I'm I'm good. Don't 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 send the IRS on me, okay? I'm good. I'll pay the money back. <laughs> so, um, but they would rather take that money and go buy some material thing instead of improving on their skills that would at least put them in a position to get uh, generational wealth or even to beat a recession or become recession proof. And and that's a problem that a lot of us are facing because we just want that direct stuff we we want to work harder not smarter yeah so you know it's really interesting you talk about um investment and and people don't really understand the value of compound interest right um you know part of the reason i am where in business where i am now i had i had a client he's 85 year old guy and he would he would say, hey, you know, he'd ask me these random questions. And I, I just thought maybe he was kind of senile, right? And and it, it was cool. I just we just kind of went off of that. But one day I walked in the treatment room and he said, Hey, before we get started, we, we need to talk. I want you to sit down. And he hands me two business cards. And he said, I know a thing or two about building wealth. 
that I, I you know, you, you may think I'm, I'm kind of off. You know, I've kind of lost it with the questions I've been asking you because he would ask me, like, who are you responsible for? Who like what are you what are you what are you working for? What are you working towards? Um, what have you had to overcome? Like what 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 is what are two or three of, of, of the, the the hurdles you see in terms of moving your life forward? And um, you know, I would I would answer him just casually. We'd, I, we were just having a conversation, right? Um, he hands me these two cards. One is his card. One is a, a guy who is his understudy. And he said, I don't want you to, to sign any piece of paper ever again that that ties you to business or anything else financially without me looking it over or this guy looking it over. He knows how important you are to me. And I looked at him and he goes, and as, as long as I'm alive, I'm your attorney gratis. And I looked at him. He goes, I know you know what it means. And he said, I'm serious. And um, that guy turns out he was also mentor to a guy that's a, that has become a mentor and friend of mine who was also a client of mine. And the reality is if I had shared with that guy, the, the, the second guy, right? If I had shared with him when I first treated him, what my plans were, what my goals were, we would be having this conversation in a different space, right? And, 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 and it is that is sometimes we're so focused on the right now or we're focused on the shiny object or we're focused on this big obstacle that we see that we don't realize that that obstacle is our path like the the, the book the, the obstacle is the way or that premise of the obstacle in the way is the way is no different i don't care if you're reading sun tzu art of war i don't think i don't care if you're reading um you know uh, peter drucker the effective executive they, they they teach you some of the very same principles. You can go back and just read Proverbs, right? The, the same principles apply. If you want to earn, you have to work. That's, that's and, and, and it doesn't mean that you're working in a business. It might be that you're working on a business. It might be that you're doing the work of thinking about how do I take this thousand dollars? and turn it over and over and over and over and over again that's compound interest because remember in high school middle school somewhere they ask you if you want a penny compounded daily or like 20 million dollars or 30 million dollars on day 21 and 22 we're about neck and neck the last week is where the difference is made All right if i start investing at 18 let's say i'm saving what eight let's say somewhere between four and six grand fix six thousand dollars a year at 18, I become a multimillionaire. If I start doing the same thing at 30, I don't. Right? And, 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 and compound interest does that. But I also think that people limit interest to finances. But what I do, for example, is every year I earn the equivalent of, a, of an MBA. I have a, re, a plan for reading and learning at the beginning of the year that sets me up to win in different phases of life, uh, whether it's finances, whether it's it's the nuts and bolts of, of, of practicing PT, um, whether it's social entrepreneurship, yeah, you you name it, um, you know, organizational design. Uh, this year, I kind of started working with my first client 
uh, as it relates to organizational design. And it, it's completely a relationship thing. Um, I was in Scottsdale last week and I called up a guy and said, hey, um, I want to do a, a mystery shopper experience uh, within your company. And uh, he said, are you serious? I said, yeah. Tell, tell me one of your locations that's struggling. And so we talked, he, he gave me the information and I went and I, I went as a patient. All right. And I was able to not only glean information from the experience that helps him move his organization forward, I'm able to glean information that helps me look more introspectively at our team and, and identify whether I have our team members in the right place, whether I'm asking them to do things that go beyond their capacity. You know, so that investment is also investment in people and in relationships. All right. Um, you, you, you talked about, uh, uh, about, um, you know, having that clarity of purpose, everybody on our team can tell you what my reason for breathing is. And, and, and I try to weave that into every aspect of, of the practice. And, um, you know, when, when you, when you think about the trade-off, um, if we shift the perspective from trading off time to invest in time, um, I wrote a blog the other day about um, just this time crunch that we think we have. And if, for example, if I told you, hey, I can't do this show, man, I don't have any time. What I'm telling you is, hey, really, I have to say no to the opportunity now so I can say yes to the opportunity later. I'm, I'm telling you that it's not that there's not a clear value proposition that you've, you've delivered to me. I'm just saying that there are other things that are more important and, and present a higher return on the investment of my time now, and I need to go do those things. That's a, that's a completely different conversation because you can respect that. You can say, you know what? Yeah, chief, like I, I get it. I, I get it. We'll circle back next year. Can I, can I go ahead and put it on your radar for next year? And we do the same thing with clients. We should fire clients, right? We should, you know, the, the client that doesn't show up, that doesn't value your time and your team's time and doesn't respect it and, and doesn't do the work. You come in and the person, you know the person hadn't done anything you had asked them to do. Because you look at their movement pattern and you're like, yeah, this person hadn't done anything. And then, or, or you may even say, look, maybe I didn't do a great job on the eval. Maybe well, that's, that's, that's what I was going to say, being devil's advocate. Uh, yeah. Did the therapist show that patient the value of, hey, this is what my time is worth spending to do versus, you know, taking care of my kids or going mm -hmm. to work and stuff like that. Sometimes we are just lousy at showing that value. And that's that goes back to storytelling. It go it 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 a hundred percent goes back to storytelling. How um, do you improve on the storytelling, Kendall? Listen, man. So practice. 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 You listen to stories. You go read books about storytelling. Here's one of the things. When I speak, and so I'm gonna tell you, go back to this. Give me people who are hungry, and we will win. Give me people who can dream big. And we will win. Give me people that rain, sleet, hail, snow. We'll work until the job is done. And we will win. We will win. Where if I tell you that, that, right, right. And and, and I, I repeated this, that, that repetition. It, it carries on, right? But if I just say, hey, yeah, Mo, you know, we're going to win. 
Yeah, we'll win tomorrow. I haven't, I haven't connected with you emotionally. I haven't allowed you, I hadn't painted a picture that allows you to see what success looks like. If that client comes in and I say, hey, Ms. Smith, um, I understand that your back hurts and your physician gave you a referral um, for us to help you with some back pain. But help me to understand if, if your back didn't hurt, what would you be doing? Help me to understand what's important to you. Tell me what you're, you're missing out on because of, of this back pain. That's a completely different conversation. I've elevated it to a, a perspective of this is what is. Your back hurts. This is what could be. Because if I know where I'm taking you, man, now I'm energized, right? I'm showing up with my best stuff because I know that you're going to do your part and I'm going to do my part. If we go to a white, so for example, we go to a white tablecloth restaurant where either of you live, it's a clear value proposition. I want a great dining experience. Excuse me. I, you notice a white tablecloth restaurant. I'm not looking at their menu and shopping on price. Right. And then the, 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 when I, when I ask you about your best or your worst dining experience, when I ask you about your best dining experience, you're going to tell me about who you were with, right? It goes back to that limbic brain experience. When I tell you, when, when I ask you about your worst dining experience, you're not going to tell me who about who you were with. You're going to tell me how bad the service was. Same thing, because you can tell me that, but I have to kind of, I have to connect it with some neurons that really aren't connected to speech and to get that feeling like, oh man, that was bad. You know what I mean? And, and so it's the same thing in, in, in no matter what business you run. If you can connect with people based on um, on their life experience and you can you, you seek to be interested versus interesting. All right. Then you can win. I, I uh, you, you asked about storytelling. I, I talked to my team about this and I talked to other teams about this, actually, um, is. If I meet somebody at a bar and I walk over and I said, hey, my name is Kendall. Pleasure to meet your acquaintance. And I go on and on and on and on about myself. I read my whole CV. Right. Person is going to tap me and say, hey, Kendall, the people I'm waiting for, um, they're at another place. I'm going to go meet them. Pleasure meeting you. And they, they're, they're, I'll, I'll be still standing there. Hey, can I? they're gone. But if I walk up to the same person, and I say, hey, I'm Kendall. I'm not supposed to speak to strangers. So. Allow me to make you make, make your acquaintance. Uh, tell me about yourself. Two hours later, we're in the same spot having a great conversation. All because I gave that person an opportunity to share and I listened generously. That's that's the art of storytelling. That's it. People yeah. are going to give you those nuggets. You got to make it personal. Yeah. You got to make it personal. You know, that's how you get the buy-in, you know, and that, and that for me, you know, and, and Mo can speak on this as well. Like, you know, for us is a little bit different, you know, we're in home health, so we're going into somebody's home. Mm -hmm. So now that completely changes the ball, the, the, the landscape, yeah. right? Because you're walking into somebody's personal space. You know, it's a lot different when they walk into your clinic or anybody else's clinic, because it's, it's probably considered a neutral playing field. Mm -hmm. time, right. But when you walk into somebody's home, I mean, you've got to make that connection and you've got a small window 
to make that connection, to make it personal, to mm -hmm. connect with that person so that not only are they going to allow you back in their home, but they're also going to listen to the things that you're going to ask of them so that they can see the benefit, they can see the value, they can get better, right? Um, but but it is exactly that. It doesn't matter what business, what you're doing, where you're doing it. If you connect with individuals on a personal level, like you said, if you're interested, um, then you have a much bigger opportunity to, to be successful, to win, as you said, yeah. right? Because every patient encounter that we have regardless of the setting is an opportunity to win it's an opportunity for the patient to win more so than us um it, it's them to get what it, whatever it is that they're looking for um you know because again you had mentioned you know earlier about they didn't see the value and, and i like to feel like sometimes the value isn't even necessarily physical it isn't necessarily you know, strength, anything of the sorts, it's literally a human interaction with somebody different who's listening to them. And now they've received an emotional win, a mental win, which then opens them up to the physical wins, which is what ultimately we're trying to help them with. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I tell that to a lot of my patients, cause I walk in and patients just like telling me about their day telling me about their family, you know, different issues, whatever the case. And like, oh, I'm sorry, you're, you're just, I'm just rambling. I'm like, no, by all means, open. Tell me the story. I want to know because then I can use that as a way to connect. Because the next time I come in, you know, and this happened with a patient. I had a patient that I needed to pu push a week out because a family member was getting married. Mm -hmm. Right. So I walk in the home and the first thing that I say other than, hey, good morning. How are you doing? How was the wedding? I haven't even talked to you about anything to do with why I'm here, mm -hmm. but how was the wedding? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the wedding was great. You know, it I was, remember. Mm -hmm. you know, it was, remember. We, we did all of this and I could tell this patient go outside in the street, jump on one leg and yell, whatever it is at the top of your lungs. I've got a good shot of getting them to do yeah. that. Yeah. You know? So, and I think that's the biggest thing for, for especially our, our, our new professionals, our, our students graduating is make those connections, make those connections. Cause that's going to go a lot further than whatever letters you decide to put after your name. Yeah. Right. I, I just had a, I had a clinical intern um, and we talked about this and she wrote, man, she wrote me an awesome note and I, I shared it with my team because the note wasn't really about me. The note really was about the team. The team allows me to to do the things that I do. Um, and it was the fact that she'd had a terrible, another, another outpatient experience that, that, I mean, it was bad. She had no desire to enter the profession from an outpatient setting. She dreaded an outpatient, that, that, that coming to our practice. And, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, we, we never talked about this during the the, the clinical. I mean, I, I really found out found out about this during the like well, last week, maybe week and a half. And it talked about how um, inspiring it was to be with our team, and how it reignited 
uh, an interest and 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 a and, and a belief that outpatient PT uh, really is is a is an awesome place to be um, because it wasn't about numbers. It wasn't about um, a specific skill set to mobilize a joint or an exercise technique. It was care and concern. It was, hey, how are you, how are you? How are you doing today? Not just clients, people on the team. And then taking the ability to connect and then building on top of it, because you may have a very small toolbox uh, from a skill set standpoint, but those things that people people talk about, soft skills, absolutely, they're required skills. Um, growing up, I watched, you know, my mom and, and YA, Mr. Austri. Um, and he was a he was just a giant as in my life as it relates to building and managing relationships. If you came to the, the shop and you your, your mother sent you to the shop or father, whoever, for rice or whatever it was, and it was, oh, Mr. my mother said to send me that, send her this. He would send it even though your account was in the red. I could open his ledger book. Right, I still remember the colors of his ledger book, and open it, and you were in the red. And he wouldn't treat that child any different than somebody who was in the black. But he would, he may say something about, oh, you know, tell your mother congratulations on on the banana crops, or tell your mother this, or she, he would send some message to that parent, not hey, you owe me. It was just, just it was just a greeting. At the end of the week the end of the fortnight, the person would show up, they would move their account to the black and they would bring some bananas or they would bring, you know, some plantain or they would bring, you know, bring something, you know, for YA, right? And it was, it was just amazing to see how he dealt with people. Some of those people worked for him, right? And you watch how he, he was a tough guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. He was, he was, he was no nonsense in certain respect, but he might chew you out and then tell you, hey, take a drink, <laughs> right? And, 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 and he'd have this, this, this dialogue with you because he also knew that you also got the feeling, you, you, knew, you had the sense that he cared about you. And, and that is, I don't care where you go, man, that right there, you drop, I think you can drop us off anywhere in the world, any three of us. We don't have to speak the language, but I guarantee you, we can get back home. Right? Sure. And that, that is emotional intelligence. I, you know, emotional intelligence for me is like when people show you who they are, you believe them the first time and you start taking notes. And then you have conversations. If somebody gets up and walks out of a meeting because you ask a question, that should stick. Right? It, you watch how they treat people who they've been in business with for a long time, who, who they call friends. And it should stick. It should it should start cueing you in to what matters to you and what matters to them. Because um, if, if you have a, a, a business partner, a team member that comes to you and you're not you're not tuned in to on the relationship side, you're not listening to the stories that they're telling you, you're not paying attention to how that person communicates with their loved ones. And you, you're gonna fool yourself, and you you can lose, you can lose, you can lose a patient, um, you can lose a partnership, 
you can lose somebody who who will do whatever it takes to help you be successful, even though it's not necessarily in their best interest. If you lack the ability to simply connect with people and to to to, to build and maintain great relationships, because you know I, I've been in situations, man, where you know you, when you realize that you're building somebody else's mansion, it it it, it brings you back to some places that. Um, you know, again, I, 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 I'm very, very connected with, to how I grew up and the idea of investing time. I remember when hurricane Maria hit, I can tell you the patients and clients that brought checks that brought supplies. And I can tell you the, the people who their lack of action spoke volumes. Right. So, you know, in, 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 in the matter of in a matter of 48 hours, the, my childhood homes were, I mean, completely decimated. And I had people that I've treated once or twice that showed up for, for me and my for, for my family. Right. But I also had people who. I've had a tremendous impact on where they are professionally. They weren't around. And, it, and, and, and so for me, I could keep making those trade-offs, right? Or I could start making some bona fide investments. And, and when you kind of think about that, I think Maya Angelou says, you never forget how people make you feel, right? You know, people can tell you they believe in you, but if you present them with a business opportunity, and the red line version of, of that business contract or business agreement or a lease agreement or whatever it is that they hand back to you has things that don't make any sense as it relates to your character. You got to take stock. You have to you have to understand that, hey, maybe maybe they're just not in a great place with themselves and and their actions has nothing to do with me. Somebody that don't want to see you because of the color of your skin. Right. They don't want they don't they don't want you. They want to come to your facility, but they don't want you to treat them. Right. Then you got to say, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to impact this person more based on how I treat them than how they treat me. Right. Because it's not a me problem. It's a them problem. When your team member says, hey, I want to raise and your KPIs clearly spells out how you can earn twenty thousand dollars more and they're not willing to do to take the steps that the KPIs dictate, right? These steps are required to get a raise, to earn more. And they're not willing to do it. They're telling you with their actions, hey boss, like I I want you to in, I want you to give me a raise. I want you to invest in me and continue to show up for me, but I'm not willing to do the same for you. Right? I I think I think a lot of those things, man, we see um we see it in in school. And I, we, there, there, there are people that are culpable here, right? When you accept someone into a PT program, you have, you have a fiduciary, fiduciary responsibility to show up for that person, to support their matriculation through school. But you also have a responsibility to stop accepting people into the profession that don't benefit the profession. All right? If you, how, do you screen, how, how do you screen those out? Well, I, well, I mean, PT school is a business. 
This we is definitely very true. know it's a business. Definitely true. We heard that last week. Yeah. So if it's a business, mm -hmm. what we only touch, well, we touch less than 10% of the lives that we have the ability or, or that we should touch as, as therapists, right? And if we think about if we expand that and really kind of capture the market, we don't have enough PTs. But, mm -hmm. but we routinely educate people that spend less than five years in a profession. And we can we can use the word bone burnout, but isn't burnout isn't the, the the team member that gets burned out isn't that the person who has been making these trade offs that didn't didn't balance out there was an unbalanced equation and they couldn't balance it and so they get to a point where now the trade off simply doesn't make any more sense to continue and so they they move, they move, withdraw themselves from the profession. But I, I think sometimes I have we have a, a process by which we on um, we we identify uh, onboard new team members. We're we're a business, but we also understand that um, increased uh, turnover is not great for our business. We understand that the right who's is great for our business. We understand that the right whys is great for our business. So I think we can simply do the same thing on, on, on the side of education. Hmm. Um, you know, people who have great test scores are not necessarily the greatest team members. People who have great skills are not necessarily the best team members. So, you know, on one hand, we can we can say, well, this is PT school is a business, true enough. But on the other hand, don't we have a responsibility to, to the profession to, to put people out within the profession that can help move the profession forward, that can articulate? If you can articulate a great value proposition and I'm running a PT program, you can get it. I don't care. I don't care what your class rank is. OK, I don't care anything about that. But I know but I do care about whether you are the right who. And, and which is a again we're asking academia so we have 200 and is it 220 something pt school pt programs in the country so we're asking those 220 something programs to become the gatekeepers for the profession now that's that's a problem it, it's 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 it, it is extra work but my question to you is would the right who and the right why pass the board exam that's all they care about Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Listen, I had, <laughs> I will not sit back and tell you I was the, I worked sometimes 30 hours, 35 hours a week when I was in PT school. The only time in PT school I didn't work was my first semester. And that's because they asked me not to work. I said, look, I, I, I'm not the same student if I don't work. But here's the thing. I had professors who did not believe I was engaged enough in school, didn't think I was going to be successful. Right. I had that in undergrad. I had it in graduate school. I tell you who those people are. But I like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me because that's that's a I remember when I when I first tended ten, my first letter when I tended my resignation, very first letter, uh, resignation letter I wrote. And it was one of those things where I understand what's above my pay grade. And one of those things are people's feelings. Right. 
Like I, I like that one. It, it's, it's it's not a relationship thing. So you know, the the three of us, your feelings are not above my pay grade. But you know, if we can talk about something, if we can communicate around an idea, and we have a difference of opinion, that's not a problem. It doesn't preclude us from continuing that relationship. But if it, if if your feelings get in the way of clear and 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 um, impactful communication we have a problem right and that and, and, and that that's a you problem not you you know not you but you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the biggest thing you know going back to your earlier points about you know people that that don't invest and don't do the work you know mm -hmm. and it kind of goes into what I always tell Mo, which is like a motto of mine, which is 4011, which is the number on my house, right? Because if you live in this house, your opinion matters. And we are all, uh, all on the same page as to what we yeah. need to do to accomplish what we're going. Mm -hmm. Anybody outside, that's a you thing because they don't, it doesn't impact what happens under this roof, right? So that's the biggest thing. A lot of it's those feelings and, and somehow I need to be concerned about your feelings. Well, only way my, you're in, you know, involved is if you've done your part to make them be involved. Right. right. Because right. If, if doing the work, I can't be concerned with your feelings, your thoughts or whatever the case may be. Right. Right. So it, it, it absolutely is true. And, and, and going back to your other point about the, the who and the why, you know, I like to use analogy of, of a bus, right? Because as a business owner, as a leader, whatever the case may be, you're tasked with driving the bus and making sure that every seat has somebody in it. But it's not just simply anybody sitting in that chair is the right person in the right chair, right? Because one person could be the, the the seat right behind the driver but they're better suited to be in the back of the bus but guess what you're still on the bus you're right. still part of the team right and we we got to put you in the right place so that you can succeed because when you succeed guess what i succeed the team succeeds yeah. right and, it, and it's that mentality of working together as opposed to this constant battle you know this constant competition and, and competition is good. Competition is healthy, um, but you got to know who you're competing with and why you're competing. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I remember um, <laughs> a discussion where you're talking about, okay, well, um, where are we going? Clarity, um, transparency. So I, for a long time, I didn't, I really didn't use, any of the information from the book Traction. And the reason was I'm sitting in a board meeting or you know, a team meeting and I'm hearing all these terms coming out and, and the terms just really didn't make any sense to me based on who they were coming from. Mm. And I'm, so I'm like, okay, and I know I read a lot. It's like, I've heard some of these concepts and, and, and what was interesting, I was actually finishing Measure What, uh, Jeff Doerr, Measure what, mat uh, what Matters, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, well, OKRs, okay, objectives, key results, that makes sense. And then I started asking questions about the KPIs on the scorecard because they didn't make sense. 
They didn't make sense for this organization that I'm sitting around the table representing. And so, again, people's feelings got hurt because I'm questioning what we're measuring because we got to measure what matters, right? And do, do if, they understand what a KPI is? They don't. So if if my if my well, if, if my they don't understand what it means, why you want them to work towards? Exactly. So if my front desk person can tell you oh, I could just massage this number over here. So why are we measure, measuring that? My front desk person identified the fact that this is a trail or a lag indicator. It's not a lead indicator. We can't do anything about it. So, or, 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 or it doesn't it doesn't maximally impact. If we change it now, it doesn't maximally impact what happens downstream. And so that was a problem for some people. And so I kept, I kept going back to the same thing. It wasn't until about, a month after month month after I was in I, I, I was no longer with the organization, that a friend of mine suggested that I read traction. Well, I said, hey, you know, I'll read it. Within the first chapter, I realized that this is the book, but the person had given the book no credence. Like basically, these were just original ideas. Mm. that they had but when you read the first chapter of traction it tells you that that's you can't roll this thing out that way you cannot roll something out and you can't use kpis or any operating system that you don't have the capacity as a leader to execute and your team doesn't have the capacity to run it doesn't make any sense and you can't use kpis as a sledgehammer to for your team you use KPIs to gain clarity about the purpose, the objectives, and the process that we got to follow, right? And, and so, like, you're talking about it, we can't use, like, KPIs don't represent feelings. Leadership, like, you talk about the right bus, man, if, if you get on a bus and it says on the front of it is going to San Diego, but everybody else on the bus except the driver said it is going to Austin, that bus is going to end up in Austin. Right. So like the same, same deal. Right. Bus, right. Bus, the right seats. Um, those things, man, I, I think. Leadership requires emotional intelligence and it does show up on your balance sheet. All right. It, there's not there's not a line item for it. But if I guarantee I did a, a, a mystery, that mystery shopper deal, I could kind of figure out where they would fall with every KPI based on my experience. Just from my experience at the at at, at the, the 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 business, I could I could go back to what that business's KPIs are, and I could tell them, I say, yeah, I think you're gonna, you know, this KPI is gonna fall within this range, that KPI is gonna fall within that range, and it was based on my experience. So it does show up when you look at your PNL, your your ability as a leader to connect with your team, to connect with your your ideal customer, and to deliver a value proposition for them that makes sense, it shows up. I I, I definitely do agree with that. But Kendall, do you do like peer-to-peer peer -peer group um, mentoring? Yeah, yeah, so well, we're- how, how can people reach you to do that? Ah, uh, man, look, um, just, just so you can either call PPS <laughs> or email them. They'll know how to get in touch with me, but really just, um, it's my, my email address is Kendall at M3Endeavors.com. Reach out to me on, on, on Twitter, 
on on IG, Facebook, all our handles are the same. And, and really, it's interesting that you ask that because every conversation we've had has just been like this. If there's been organic conversations, um, and just like I did, you know, with this group um, out in Scottsdale, if I have the time, and you have a question, I'm gonna help you figure out an answer. And and sometimes it's saying, hey, you know what? Um, give me about 10 minutes or so. Let me find somebody who's probably better suited um, at giving you the nuts and bolts of the answer. But um, I just, I believe in clarity. And I think I, um, the life experiences that I've had, um, you know, again, that whole motivate, support and inspire. Uh, sometimes that's just a simple phone, a phone conversation. Sometimes it's a simple email. Um, but I, you know, like you reach out to me on any platform, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm down, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Patrick said, how about just grabbing a beer? I, I agree. Hey, that works. That works. I, I definitely agree. Uh, on fun times in, in, uh, NOLA, um, earlier this year, great conversation. Um, I learned a lot from everybody that was at that table. So we, we definitely need to do more of that. We have to have a community that we hold one another accountable and support one another because obstacles are going to come and we can become better leaders when we listen and also take advice from others as well, too. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, look, man, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, Mo, that definitely next time I'm, I'm in D.C., um, yes, yes, yes. We, we, we had we had to figure, figure it out, Alex. We, Alex, we, the last time I was, he was here. Man, he had me walking up and down. <laughs> listen, listen. You know listen. what? It was around this time last year too, because yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, the back issues, man. Well, if, yeah. if it, first of all, if, if you're ever in Tampa, let me know because we'll definitely. Hey, get man. It. So I'm coming down there. Um, so I do. So you know, the, on the Pilates side, one of my mentors is in Tampa. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually supposed to be coming down there to do a um, a training uh, for a, a studio down there around kind of some some blending some of the, the PT concepts. So let's let's make it happen for sure. Yeah, for sure. Hit me up. Let me know. And the other yeah. thing too, man, we're gonna have to do a round two of this because I feel like we can talk for hours about this stuff, man. You are um, full disclosure. I've just met him for the first time, <laughs> but man, like. You've got a wealth of knowledge. Uh, of, of very, definitely, definitely. Very, very, very intelligent man. Obviously, very successful at what you're doing, man. So we'll, we'll definitely have to figure out a different time to kind of do round two. And definitely when you come down to Tampa, we'll have to link up. But uh, okay, for it's, sure. been, it's been a pleasure, man. Really appreciate your time. Um, giving us giving us some of your the little tidbits uh, that you got, man, because you, you got a lot of good stuff going on. Um, and as always, to all of our viewers, Thank you very much for this continued support. Like, share, retweet, all that good stuff. All our socials at the bottom. Um, and then follow. Uh, follow Kendo. Follow Kendo as well. All right, you guys all right. have a good evening. Thanks, man. Thank you very all much. All right, take it easy. All right. Night.